0: They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to Tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Since 1936, the National Wildlife Federation has worked with hunters and anglers to pass the most important conservation laws of American history and to protect our sporting traditions. This podcast explores our history, our values and the work we do to safeguard the fish and wildlife that fuel our passion. We are NWF Outdoors. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the NWF Outdoors podcast. This is your host, Aaron Kindle, and I am without my traditional sidekick, Bill Cooksey, today because we are coming to you from on location in Juneau, Alaska, and our awesome comms lead, Mandela Van Eden, is going to sit with me today and help interview our two awesome guests and we are fresh off of a straight up and straight down hike up What what's the mountain? Blackerby. Blackerby Mountain outside of Juno here but let's introduce everybody first. Mandela you want to give us just a couple little minutes about how you're feeling you're, you're coming on you're going to co-host with us today been doing amazing comms work for us already and just we're getting so much cool content up here.
2: It's just so beautiful to be a part of this community for a short period of time and to help gather and share some of the storytelling that happens in this part of the world. We've been sitting around fires for thousands and thousands and thousands of years sharing stories. A lot of the times it involves hunting and fishing, and in this part of the world I'm amazed by the abundance here and the stories that are here. And I'm just so grateful to be sitting drenched in sweat in this <laughs> phenomenal yoga studio uh, in Juneau, Alaska, uh, with these sports women who are here um, and inspired by their work, and really excited to hear their story. I've been blown away by Alaska. I knew I would be, and I know that I'll be back.
1: Awesome. We always start these podcasts off with what we've been doing outside, but we just told folks kind of what we've been doing outside like immediately, so we'll jump from that. And I'm going to introduce our, our guests today. Uh, first, I'll introduce Meredith. Meredith Trainer. she is the Executive Director of the Southeast Alaska Conservation Council. It's always a big mouthful. Yes. And, and Meredith uh, has a background in, in outdoor athletics, basically rowing, mountaineering, and she's uh, coming into the sportswoman or the hunter-angler world, we'll call it up mm-hmm. here. Uh, and and w- she's doing that with our other guest in a lot of ways. And that's Jody Dixon. And Jody Dixon is an Artemis ambassador uh, for Alaska. I don't know if there's – is there a couple up here? I think there's a couple. Yeah. But she's this the Juneau area Artemis ambassador. And she's got – comes from a long line of, you know, life in the woods, uh, outfitting – She's um, a big hunter herself, and she's, she's been helping Meredith into her journey of hunting. So that's a lot of what we want to talk about today. So let's just start there if we can. Jody, maybe you can just tell us first just kind of how you got into it and then what makes you such a, I don't know, I mean, it's, it's obviously it's, you're so infectious. You bring people in. You like to teach. You're a yoga teacher. We're sitting here in your yoga studio. Just talk about like how you got into it and then what made that transition.
3: Yeah. Thanks, Aaron. I feel like I'm one of those people that um, when I find something that I really like, I'm excited to share. So whether it's a book or a recipe or an activity, yoga hunting, I'm just one of those nerdy people that is super excited to share it with anybody who is interested (laughs) and some who perhaps are not interested. Um, (laughs) And I met Meredith right here in the yoga studio. She came to yoga classes here and uh, I knew that she was a little bit new to town but was also into hiking and and the outdoors. And so that just uh, piqued my interest to say, hey, you want to go on a hike? And um, that's an easy transition to go into the woods with people here. I think, hey, I'm going to go for a walk with my dogs. Do you want to come along? And then, you know, from the basic... 40 minute dog walk all the way to like six, eight hours hiking in the rain <laughs> Lots and then, of rain. yeah, lots of rain. And I feel like that's been a, a, a wonderful um, stepping stone, you know, path to growing uh, a relationship and friendship with Meredith to, um, comfortable going in the woods like if we have a time frame that we could go in the woods and just adventure or hunt i'm i'm confident that we could just go do it at any time like i know she's gonna you know keep her mind together if things don't go as planned you know and that's kind of the one one of the key things that you want to know about somebody if you're going to go go hunting and we've gone to the range Mm -hmm. and she's shot some different guns and so it's been really fun to see that evolve
1: what what are you hunting mostly? I mean, yeah, I know you hunt a lot of different things, but what, what like what's your favorite? What do you really get passionate about?
3: Well, deer hunting here is pretty amazing because I feel like it's in our backyard. And
1: tell folks it's, it's what kind of deer. It's Sitka. Yes,
3: true. It's Sitka blacktail. Uh, our season opens August 1st and ends the end of December. So it's a pretty long season depending on the, uh, game management unit, you can have, uh, you know, up to six tags. So that's a lot of deer. Um, so I feel like that's one of my more, exciting things. But when we have a chance to hunt for black bear in the spring, that's fun. Uh, We also hunt uh, doll sheep up north, and those are like the epic pinnacle hunts of the year. I have been to Edelin and hunted elk there, and that's a very wet adventure, (laughs) very wet climate, but elk meat is amazing. Um, So I feel like whatever the hunt is in front of us, that's the one I'm just most excited about.
1: Awesome, and uh, you know, you told us a bunch of stories today, and you fed us some of your some of your meat. What tell us about the meat you fed us?
3: Yeah, I fed you some deer jerky uh that I made, and then also some deer pepperoni that we had made locally, and um I think there's some bear summer sausage that we didn't break out actually.
1: No, <laughs> might have to do that later.
3: A little little later.
1: Well, awesome, and then. Meredith, you moved to this area about six years ago, I think you told us, mm-hmm. and you weren't a hunter. Mm-hmm. In fact, maybe far from it, mm-hmm. maybe you can start walking this through, like, how did you get there closely? I mean, Alaska, it's, it's so much part of the culture, it probably helped, but meeting Jody, you know, you two, how, how did that come about?
4: Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, I was, when I moved to Juneau, I moved from the Seattle, Washington area. And I was really into mountaineering, super into mountaineering. My entire life was organized around it. And a lot of mountaineering is slogging uphill, uh, you know, during inclement weather or the approach on kind of like what you call a climber's trail. And so um, a lot of our trails here in Juneau or some of our trails here in Juneau these days um, really resemble those old like climber's trails, like the one that we were on today up to Blackerby. Uh, which you know sometimes you're kind of like clinging on to the side slipping your feet and it's just a good time and so uh you know coming up here from Seattle and from this mountaineering background I found that it was really hard to train for mountaineering here but the hiking was incredible and so I started getting into hiking and at the same time um, I was a you know a vegetarian for most of my life Um, I think it was like 25 of my 39 years and uh I thought that I would um, probably always be a vegetarian, but um, as living in Washington and then living in Alaska, uh, it just feels, it's just right. It's of the place to be hunting and fishing and taking food from the lands, taking the food that is offered to you by the, you know, from the indigenous perspective, from the animals themselves, and um, to be engaged in the land that way, to, to know what it means to process uh, venison, to process a deer into venison, and and to um, know what it means to kill a fish that you're going to eat for dinner or that you're going to serve to a bunch of friends and family. So uh, I kind of had this like gradual progression from being this like vegetarian to then being like a uh, pescatarian, which is someone who eats fish, to then being like a seafooditarian and then to being finally um, now like I describe myself as an Alaskavore where I eat um, foods that are wild from Alaska (laughs) and if it's wild from here then I'll eat it. So at this point I've now had I've had crazy things like things that would just blow my mind a few years ago but um, you know Jody shared with me pickled deer heart which was a Mm. total treat and um, a neighbor shared with me a caribou bone broth soup that I had a few years ago. I've had the uh, great privilege to taste uh, indigenous uh, Alaska Native seal grease, which is a very special treat. And so as my culinary space has expanded, um, you know, it's, it's funny to say it this way, because I feel like this is such a cliched story, but for a hot second, I dated a guy who hunted a lot, and he would share venison with me. And then I stopped dating him, and I was like, oh, shoot, where am I going to get venison? Uh, and so that that you know between my friendship with Jodi and her interests, and then she really invited me to kind of into her world to get to join and learn about this. And as an Artemis ambassador, it's been cool to see her expanding her hunting work and in, in, in this space. And so it it just kind of all dovetailed together. And now this this spring, I went on my first grouse hunt. We weren't successful that day, but that was okay. And then um, this fall, I am hoping hoping to begin deer hunting. Um, and that's kind of that's kind of where we're at right now.
2: Jody, I was just curious about your journey into hunting as well, because you and I have a lot in common. Both have a whitewater kayaking background and yoga. Was hunting always a part of your life, or was there like a transition into being more of a hunter angler?
3: Yeah, my um, now husband is an avid hunter and has been his whole life, and. Um, So when we started dating, we started doing a little bit of grouse hunting and, um, you know, meeting him and and doing the things that he loved to do outside, which was a lot like me. I would do those things except for without the hunting part. Um, It just, it blossomed. And so for him to have a partner that could just step right in and be in the backcountry with him step by step was easy. And, And for me to have that experience of you know, adding this intense focus to the outdoor experiences I was already having was awesome. And I didn't fully understand it until probably after um my first big game hunt, which was a doll sheep hunt, which a lot of people might think, what the (laughs) heck little
1: big game hunt. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um and you know i got a sheep and he got a sheep it was amazing it was super hard work amazing heavy packs and late nights northern lights like on and on and then it was time to you know get picked up and i didn't want to (laughs)
2: leave
3: i really felt like i was there was a little part of me inside that wanted to have a temper tantrum just like i don't want to (laughs) go but i experienced that added intensity of of hunting of like really being focused on something and then being so engaged and your body pushed to its physical limits right you are like you are on everything is working and you just you can't mimic that any other way and it just those experiences i was like oh yeah like when the pilot came to pick us up he's like well it's either your first and last or it's your first of many and I was like first of many like I can't wait to come back and um so you know not every hunt is a sheep hunt but they are all special and uh yeah I can't imagine my life without, you know, my partner Shane and us hunting together. Like that's our life. That's what we live you for. You dove in
1: kind of head first. You were <laughs> you. <laughs> like, <laughs> this wasn't terribly long ago and you've hunted all kinds of things all over the place. So that's pretty amazing. And I love the way you describe it too, because that's like that beauty in what hunting is. is hard to describe to people who have never done it. And you did a really good job there. I would like people who haven't to to listen to that. And it's not this sometimes it gets this misconception that it's some like or you know, it's, it's not that it's this beautiful, amazing experience. And you touched on one other thing. And that was, you know, I think it ignites something inside of you. All people for all time have been hunters. And it's like, it, you feel after you've done it enough. I mean, I sit here and get goosebumps thinking about it, that like, I'm tapping into something that's like human. And it's so amazing. And it, I, I'm really interested too in exploring your two's relationship. I'm pointing at Meredith and, and Jody because you, Jody, have been this person who got into it head first and started inviting other people into it too because you you realized that. How did you two end up going about that? How did that happen?
4: Well, I think it's actually a big part of it is you being an Artemis ambassador. Like you started organizing these really fun like there was a dinner you know one night um in october i think it was like a year or two ago and um you know jody brought out all this wild game and she invited a bunch of other female hunters and then a bunch of folks that you knew that might be interested and like so if you're if you're like interested and you're kind of curious right you're like you're call, you call it hunter curious, hunting curious Uh, you show up and there's this like enormous spread and people are just naming what everything is and what it's made of and where they got it like where they went hunting and it's this um, amazing like revelation of like wow I could have this relationship with food and with the land and here's a bunch of women I know that are around me in my community that I can learn from and that are really passionate about this and this doesn't have to be you know, I don't think Jody or I are inclined to let anything be just a man's sport, like literally anything that's not in our worldview. Uh, but like, it just doesn't have to be just a male space. This can be something that women own. And even that women own, you know, with each other, you know, because that night was so fun. And now and the, there was all this conversation about, you know, starting to like get groups together. And Jody's done like a, a bunch of events since then that, bring women together and then you even did that you just did that great outing that I wasn't able to go on but like the overnight
3: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's nice to hear your experience or memories of that dinner it was just a uh, campfire at my house and yeah just a bunch of different food and um, something that I noticed about that that dinner is anyone that didn't have wild game to bring it was This is, you know, uh, mushrooms that I picked. This is, Mm -hmm. these are beets from my garden. And it was so much, you know, passion with the food and connection. And I think that, that's what makes that dinner so special. Mm -hmm. It's not like, oh yeah, I picked up a chicken at Safeway. Like -hmm. like that doesn't bring love to the dinner. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's something that is a way to incorporate people into this community that maybe are not quite, um, you know, either not interested or not yet interested in Mm -hmm. eating meat or in hunting, but you can still share the appreciation. I feel like the first carrot that comes out of the garden, right? Like that's a special carrot. (laughs) You treat it like with so much care. Well, that's like, you know, the first grouse you get. Wow. You do not waste any of it and those kinds of experiences are also what i'm really passionate about sharing with other people not just hey let's get out into the field and yeah you know go harvest an animal it's it's all the other parts that go with it too well i think that you know in southeast alaska in particular and in
4: alaska that like reverence for the gift the privilege of being able to hunt and to being able to hunt like within within you know the day from home or to be able to get out with friends so easily um and have that opportunity like people really treat that food reverently and it is like a gift it's a gift economy like you go to dinners here you know potlucks are a huge part of the culture and the history of this region and um you know people bring their game faces like they don't bring just (laughs) like some you know salad in a bag in alaska they bring something that they grew and, and just like that dinner and i think that I think that was actually kind of transformative now that you say that because you know it was like not just hunting like the characterization of hunting like that you see from movies all kind of like a caricature Mm -hmm. um, but an actual deeper relationship with the animals um, or the fish Uh, but you know to be able to have that exchange and to really appreciate it and lift it up and and to present it on the table like I bestow upon us all nourishment, you know, from the land. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. I like the way you're thinking of that.
2: I'm just thinking about how similar our backgrounds are like, mm-hmm. you have a background in mountaineering. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's kind of an extreme sport. You know, <laughs> I look up at those mountains and go, man, it's amazing that people scale those mountains with ropes and you're so exposed, you know, and, mm-hmm. and then Jody admiring you with your whitewater kayaking and how it's taken you all over the world. It made me think about your whitewater kayaking background when you talked about that hyper-awareness, you know, when you're dropping into a class five rapid, you're not thinking about anything else, your breath, what's in front of you. I'm just wondering how some of the experiences that you guys have had with your background in mountaineering and whitewater kayaking, how they parallel how you approach hunting and fishing.
3: As you're speaking about that, I was feeling like the parallel with my interest of of yoga. And so if I can answer it from, from that aspect, I feel like whitewater kayaking is forced meditation. Hmm. I choose it, so it's not, uh, you know, a bad enforced meditation. Um, but you are really forced to focus. Once and if you're you in it. If you lose your focus, there's consequences compared to, you know, sitting on a cushion meditation. You lose your focus, you just start again. Not that that's bad, but... I feel like these experiences, whitewater kayaking, hunting, it's forced meditation, but in such a good way, you know, your, your stress response in your body is like full on. And Aaron and I were talking about this a little bit earlier. I think that's part of what uh, can draw people to it. And what I also encourage other people to get in the backcountry to pick some berries or bird watch or try to find your favorite wildflower, whatever it may be. It doesn't have to be hunting. But when you have that really um, clear focus, you start being more engaged and you have that more primal experience, which is just plain and simple being present. And I think it's so hard for us to do that now because there's so many distractions and entertainment and structure do this step one through seven, right? There's just, everything is so regimented. There's, you know, there's a purpose when we go in the back country, but if you can have that single point focus whether it's extreme in the river with, you know, big class five rapid or you're hunting and it's, you know, a special draw tag. And so there's a lot of, you know, sort of weight on your shoulders. You're never going to get this chance again, or you're simply really, really looking and listening for that bird that you thought would be so cool to see, right? These are experiences of being completely present or in other words, forced meditation. So I just, I feel like so many of us are are missing those experiences with our modern plugged in life.
1: I agree that present when you just, it's like the only thing that just puts you right there and nowhere else. And you're not thinking about all of that. It's, it's, it's really cool. Like that were you, were you going
4: to, Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I think, I think that that's, that's absolutely right. And mountaineering has that had that same parallel as well. And I think, you know, I think Jody, you and I are both people who like to go hard too, and like get satisfaction out of that connection to our own bodies, like the fatigue, the full experience of working really hard. Maybe it's maybe it's even like a trudge that day. Like today, I was a little slow, you know, like and and maybe it's a little harder, but like you're just you're not worrying too much about anything else that's happening in your life, and I think that that's really special. But, I, I, you know, I've mostly fished today. I'm just starting to get into hunting. And, you know, you, I also think about, like, the satisfaction of, like, being outdoors all day in this life, you know. And mm-hmm. as someone, you know, even as the executive director of a conservation nonprofit, I'm not outside nearly as much as I'd like to be. And that the true privilege of getting to be outside for an entire day in communication with someone who's time you enjoy sharing time with and, and the friendship of connection of, you know, we kind of like talk our way up the mountain and we talk our way down the mountain, you know, and even though we're both um, focused on what we're doing if, when we're hiking together or even as I'm starting to learn to hunt, um, there's also that like kinship of like having someone else who just gets that this is important and why it's important and also savors the satisfaction of that connection. I think that that's really important.
1: I love it. Meredith, let's give you a chance, too, to talk a little bit more about SEAC, your work, like, you know, how it's dovetailing, too. You know, we're here coming to visit you because we're Mm -hmm. talking with hunters and anglers about climate issues. And, you know, you're obviously on the front lines in a lot of ways up here with the work you do. Maybe just give us the the cool little, you know. We're, we're somebody out there that's thinking about supporting SEAC, what do you tell us?
4: Yeah, well, so SEAC is the Southeast Alaska Conservation Council, we do call it SEAC for short. And it is this um, absolutely resilient, awesome, regional nonprofit organization. We work all throughout the 500 mile archipelago uh, that makes up Southeast Alaska. And we work on protecting the Tongass National Forest, which is America's largest national forest and a temperate rainforest. Uh, and we work on protecting the water here, the waters of the Inside Passage and beyond uh, in terms of protecting it from the impacts in particular of mining. Uh, and then as well, we're starting, we're expanding our work right now on addressing climate change and talking more about climate impacts. You know, people who are in the field every day or who prioritize getting outside, will have had the, the opportunity to make first-person observations of the way the land is changing. And especially for those who grew up here, including the Alaska Native community, but also others who grew up here, if you grew up hunting and fishing with a parent, for example, and then you yourself have those experiences, you, you have this vast repository of experience on the land and experience with what's happening and observations that are really just sort of another form of citizen science. And so, you know, I'm pretty excited about the event that we're doing tonight because people will be able to share those observations uh, here in Juneau, but I think that There's a lot of opportunity for those who hunt and fish to really meditate on what they've seen changing in the land around them as they've been having those experiences. And then to to participate in the political process, and I know it's a little bit of like a hold your nose, right? But like to participate (laughs) in the political process to get those stories out there and to share those stories and that wisdom, because it's hard earned, as as we know from how laborious this can sometimes be. Um, but it's hard-earned wisdom, and it's really important that it gets fed into the larger political process. You know, People in this country have more power than I think we sometimes feel like we do, especially these days, and SEAC and, and I really hope that people participate in their public process and share with their experiences on the land so that their decision, decision makers will take action on climate change. And we're seeing a little bit of that this week um, with the Inflation Reduction Act. We hope that that's gonna go all the way through. Uh, But there's a lot of opportunity there. And then the last part of that is just, you know, Southeast Alaska Conservation Council, we are a small but feisty organization, and we love having support from those in the lower 48. Um, Like I said, it's a national forest, which means it's everyone's forest, and everyone has a stake in making sure it's protected.
1: Man, that was a fantastic PSA I, <laughs> it's like yeah. I do this professionally or something yeah I wish especially you know we talk about this with with climate right and that's why we're here we're, to, mm-hmm. we're talking about hunters and anglers and climate issues and you just kind of hit the nail on the head right like we're out there we're seeing it we're we're being it yeah and and that's kind of the key that's why we're having these conversations because mm-hmm. we need that voice front and center because it is a a centered voice it is a voice that's looking at the land feeling the land
4: it's first-person data. It's yeah. it's science, right? It's and it's, you know, if, if you see where vegetation is shifting over your lifetime or over the shared lifetime of the fam- members of your family, then you know that the the larger species, the mammals, they're going to shift as well. And if if it so happens that the way that the climate is warming the globe in your area, that might be decisive. So like here in Southeast Alaska. Winters traditionally used to hover right around freezing, but you warm. You know, when I was a kid, and you'd hear that the climate was going to warm, the planet was going to warm like three to five degrees. You kind of be like, how do I even evaluate that? But if if you're used to a winter where it's usually just between 30 and 32, and that means you get snow and you get ice, and that's an important part of how the plants survive in your region and animals survive in your region, and then all of a sudden you're up at 34, you just went from snow to rain it's a total game changer. And that's exactly what's happening here in Southeast Alaska. And it has repercussions on the natural, the wild foods that we gather that native Alaskans gather, but also that um, everyone who lives in Southeast Alaska tends to gather. And it also has repercussions on, you know, game animals. And this is like, this is the time to have to participate in that conversation and to share that, that kind those kinds of observations.
1: Yeah. Alaska is front and center.
4: Alaska is front and center because we're so far north, you know.
1: Yeah, three degrees. I, uh, the science tells us three degrees in the last 60 years. Over about six degrees in the winter, mm-hmm. warmer, and predicted to go another couple of degrees by 2050. So we're talking, I mean, five, six, seven degrees over a hundred yearish period. That's a big big damn deal up here
4: yeah and here you know here we have that that has affected deer populations in particular population and and also their movements in terms of you know where areas where there was deeper snow and then you get little pockets under your conifers if you start to have transitions in the tree species there might be less forage for those deers and the deer and they're more likely to starve or to suffer a morbidity event where they all they all die and then we're not able to be harvested by people the next year
1: yeah, that's a good point. Um, I want to ask one more thing because we're, we're kind of having an abbreviated podcast this time because folks, this will run, when it runs, it will be the day after we have this event that we're doing tonight mm-hmm. um, and of which Meredith and, and Jody are going to take part in and we're going to bring in some other hunters and fishers from around Alaska to talk about this tonight. Um, but I, I thought... You know, Jody, from your perspective too, I wanted to get a little bit of your climate perspective on this because we asked you for a reason, you know, one, cause you're seeing it, doing it, but also because of that, that passion that you bring to it. And, you know, you told me a couple little stories today and just, you know, I always ask people to look to the future and, and say, what's, what's the outcome we want? What, when you look to the future and you see a preferred hunting, fishing, you know, lifestyle, what does that look like to you? with all these variables you know yeah
3: that's a great question i feel like the uh local food circumstance is going to change everywhere and i hope that local food becomes more and more popular so if normally there's uh tons of one type of animal or one fish and and things, I mean, they are changing. So if what you normally would fish or hunt starts to change, that we evolve and we start hunting and fishing other local food that is abundant. And if that can be something that is done across the board, we reduce our climate impact at least a little by eating local. I mean, our Everything that gets shipped up here to Alaska has such a huge carbon footprint. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in addition, when we're eating local, we're just that much more engaged in what's happening around us. I think it's better for us. And then when we start to see the changes or we realize, oh, I used to go here all the time to pick berries. And now this, uh, you know, green belt is going to be, you know, changed then, then you start engaging. It's really important to you. And I think that's where the passion is, is going to make change. When somebody's like, holy cow, this, this cannot happen. Like you start rallying the troops. We need to change this. And I don't think that happens, right. Unless you are really engaged. And Mm -hmm. I feel like local food is the way to be engaged long term, not just for one particular, um, occurrence, right. We, we're all going to keep eating. So.
1: Yeah, I, I love the way you say that. It's it, if it hasn't happened to you yet, it's coming, and and so you might as well start doing something about it now. Um, I'm gonna start trying to wrap this up. I got a kid at the airport. We got to pick up.
2: I just don't want to miss this opportunity to ask about the work that you do, Jody, here in Southeast Alaska with Artemis Sportswoman, because you mentioned it earlier that that's how you, Meredith, were kind of introduced into this concept of learning how to hunt through Jody and her programs.
3: Yeah. Thanks, Mandela. I have offered a grouse hunting event and a preseason deer hunting event. Uh, I just feel like deer hunting is not going to be a group event. It would be like me with one or maybe two other people. Um, and those have been really, really fun and a great way to see how people are learning and the questions that they come up with and for them to come to these um, realizations that they don't have to one person doesn't have to have all the knowledge they could have some of the knowledge and skills and they can partner with one or two other people that have complementary skills and they could go and do this and that's like the biggest success that I could explain from some of those Artemis events and um, hope to offer more
1: well, you're the perfect person for it because of that passion and that desire to teach and share, and that's so that's so fantastic. I'm going to give all of you a chance to to leave us with some wise words. Mandela, you want to start it off?
2: Just amazing to be here in Juneau, Alaska. Yesterday, Aaron and I were recording an interview on a 90-foot fishing vessel that was built in 1944. It's been amazing to hear the perspectives from different people, whether they're a commercial fishermen, whether they're a sports fishermen, whether they're a subsistence fishermen, There's just so many different perspectives on how the climate is changing and and how people like to interact with the critters that are running around southeast Alaska. So I feel like my knowledge of this region has grown exponentially, and I look forward to returning and to sharing these interviews that we've gathered with some of the hunters and fishermen in this part of the world. So just wanted to say thank you to these amazing leaders in conservation who are sitting with us today.
1: Excellent words, Meredith. I can tell you're ready. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, I was just, I was thinking,
4: I was like, man, famous last words. Uh, you know, I, th- I think what comes to mind for me is the political side of this and addressing climate change. And I think that, you know, I really hope that the folks who hunt and fish who are listening will think seriously about the importance of sharing the knowledge that they have gained through being out on the land with their legislators, you know, we've come through a period of time where people haven't felt very powerful, regular people haven't felt very powerful in the political space, and for us to address climate change, for us to even be in a space to address these concerns, we need to come together, we need to pass bills, and we need to demand that our legislators work together across the aisle to pass legislation that addresses these concerns. You know, this isn't something we can fix by, like, changing our light bulbs at this point in time. And, uh, you know, I think that NWF has done a good job in D.C. with being a voice for reason, for bipartisanship. But, you know, you do have power and you do have a voice on... Uh, regarding climate change, and you should feed those hunting and fishing stories and be a part of the process, because if not, the process is going to get make decisions for you. And I think that uh, I hope folks that are interested in learning more or learning more about our region will take a minute to visit my organization's website, which is seac.org, You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, and we just love to be in touch. We have supporters from all over the country, and every single one means the world to us. So thanks. The
1: perfect plug from an ED. Good job. I love it. (laughs) Jody.
3: I want to support anyone that feels like they're just getting into this realm and it feels overwhelming, or the changes that you feel need to happen just feel insurmountable and you, you just don't know where to start. Start with just one thing and... Pick an organization that you can start to engage with to learn more, to support them, whether it's uh, some dollars or it's some volunteer effort to find out more. And if that's not quite the right organization, then find another one and just start, right? If you feel like "I, I, I as an individual don't know what to do, how I can make change, step into a group of people an organization that is already on that path and they would be glad to have your help in any way you can help They'd be say come on in join the crowd this is awesome this is how you can help because it we do all need to do Something. <laughs> <laughs> and check out Artemis
4: for, like, the women who are like mm-hmm. me who are hoping to get into hunting. I think mm-hmm. it's super cool that NWF has this program. And when I found out that Jody was part of it, it just was, like, better. So I think, like, there are Artemis ambassadors all over the United States. And I'm sure there will be more in the years to come. So if you are a woman uh, interested in in getting active and getting out there hunting take a minute to give that a Google because it's pretty cool and has a rad name
1: another awesome PSA and and Jody you're kind of in a select few you (laughs) have one that has been on the Artemis podcast and on the outdoors podcast so it's true yeah you're you're in the rare air checking them off well I I just want to express my gratitude I mean that's how I feel more than anything about being up here and spending time with you guys just people have opened their arms they've Shown us things, they've gave, given us insight into their lives, what they're experiencing. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. I love the culture, the people, the the food. We're walking along today, grabbing different kinds of berries and <laughs> seeing amazing landscapes. And just just thank you. And um, just I, I couldn't say it better than what you guys say. But people on this who listen to this hear me harp on this all the time. I say two things. It's not a spectator sport. You got to get engaged. You both said that. I mm-hmm. love it. Um, and then we can't have this privilege without the obligation to take care of it. And you you mentioned that too. Like we have to get engaged. There's, there's too many stressors. There's too many people not paying attention. If we don't get engaged, we don't stay engaged. Then these things we love and cherish so much will slip from our fingers. So Mm -hmm. get engaged. Thank you. Thank you all for coming. This was fun. Little, little different flair than we normally do, but we did it on location and I just appreciate that so much. So thank you.
4: Thanks so much.
1: Howdy, listeners. For more great content, check out NWF Outdoors' social media on Facebook,
0: Instagram, and Twitter. Connect with us. We want to hear from you. Send us your ideas for podcast guests and questions in the comments. And for even more excellent content,
1: here's a message from our partner podcast.
4: Hey, everyone. This is Marcia Brownlee from Artemis Sportswomen. We know you love awesome stories about hunting, fishing, and conservation. So head on over to the Artemis podcast. You'll meet adventurous, accomplished women who are redefining conservation through their lives in the field and on the water. Filled with humor, audacity, empathy, and intelligence, Artemis brings you new voices and introduces you to women from all walks of the sporting community. Find Artemis wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Oh. Oh.